You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Wasp Week. This is the second episode in this series. And today we're going to be talking with John Knowles of Pennsylvania. And this is pretty much just a hunter profile podcast, man. We, we, we sit down and we BS about deer hunting. We BS about how John grew up in Pennsylvania um, in a pretty high populated area, where he hunts, how he hunts, his adventures on private and public, and uh, just a conversation really between two hardcore bow hunters, man. And uh, it all ties in because John uh, knows the guys over at Wasp and uses Wasp Broadheads. We, we even end out this podcast with uh, a conversation about our arrow setups. And we talk about our favorite broadheads from Wasp and things like that. So it's just a really good BS session uh, with a, a really a good guy out of PA uh, who likes to hunt deer with a bow and arrow like most of us do. So that's what is on the agenda today. What else do I need to talk about, man? I mean, we got a ton of snow here in Iowa, oh man, a couple days ago and it's really cold and my cell cameras are now there's still a little bit of rutting activity now it's not going crazy like it was a couple weeks ago but i will say this there's still uh there's still a little bit of rutting activity going on but now i'm starting to see that slow shift back into bed to food patterns a lot uh, a lot of deer have moved back into the properties that I have access to. Um, they've gone back to these bedding areas where I'm starting to see, you know, a, a, a big number of doe groups. And when I say big number, what I mean is uh, all of the doe groups seem to break up a little bit in the rut. And now I'm starting to see them all come back together. And, you know, when I do get a trail camera picture, there's like three, four, five does in a, uh, in a, in a single picture, right? That wasn't happening, you know, 15, 20 days ago. So these doe groups are coming back together. The food sources are, you know, covered with snow. 
unless they're above ground. And so any standing crops is a big deal right now. Any, whether it's standing crops or it's food plots or it's um, any vegetation that's still green above the snow, those are getting hit pretty hard as well. And so um, as we get later on in the season, and I'm obviously I'm not talking about the guys in the south, but as we get later on into the, the month of November, December, you know, Iowa has their shotgun season for roughly two weeks, two and a half weeks. Uh, then we get into the late season time frame. And what I'm basically what I'm looking at here is hunting that bed to food pattern again. It's not rocket science. It's pretty much the exact same places that I will be hunting, uh, that I was hunting in the rut. It's just I'm going to be hunting those in the afternoons catching deer coming to food. And it's going to be probably 30 minutes before last light uh, on a lot of these. I wish it was late season right now. And the reason I say that is because of the snow, because deer are starting to group up and we have extremely cold temperatures. And that is a win for late season. Like all of that stuff just gets deer a little on their feet a little bit earlier. They come to the food stores, source, they want to eat, 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 eat. And then they go back to their bed and they just conserve energy all day long. And so that's what they're doing right now. I'm looking forward to uh, hunting the late season this year. My wife might actually be accompanying me. And it's the first year. I think I'm going to bring my bow with me just in case there's a, an opportunity. But I feel like this is going to be my first year giving muzzleloader hunting a try. And so I'm going to go probably buy a muzzleloader here within the next you know, couple days. Get it sighted in make sure everything is uh is on sights on bullet combination and, and powder i've never done that before so i have a i have a learning curve i have to go deal with on that and uh man go get something sighted in and and try to try to go after the buck that i hit early season uh and complete the circle as they say and so i'm really looking forward to this uh this episode is obviously brought to you by Wasp, but before we get into the rest of the podcast, I do want to go through all of our all of our partners here on the Nine Finger Chronicles. First is Tethered. If you're looking, dude, saddles. I don't care. This is just my opinion. Saddles are better than safety harnesses. So I feel like I would rather be in a saddle, even in a tree stand type of environment. And so it's just another tool, right? It's it's not necessarily, a, it's not a safety harness, but what a saddle allows you to do is, let's just say you're in an all day sit and you're just sick and tired of st sitting down or standing straight up. You get a saddle on and now you can lean. You can take a little pressure off the legs, off the knees and uh, you know, use your legs in a different way and your back in a different way. And it just, it allows you to be a little bit more uh, active in the stand and just another option for staying comfortable. Along with that, I did the run and gun, you know, the run and gun uh, saddle setups this year. And I like it. There's, it's definitely way low profile compared to a, a hang on stand. There's a place for hang on stands and there's a place for saddles in this mobile game. And there's even crossover where you, I personally like to use both at the same time, but also I see a huge benefit with the saddle. 
as well. So um, go check out tetherednation.com. I know they're probably going to be running. Uh, they, we just got done with uh, Cyber Monday and the Black Friday sales, but I know for a fact that they're going to be continually uh, running sales throughout uh, between now and Christmas time. So keep an eye out for that. And that goes with all these people or all these uh, partners that I'm dealing with. Wasp Vortex, Code Blue, Woodman's Pal, Huntworth, Full Sneak. We're going to be running all these uh, additional uh, sales. Uh, so keep an eye out for discounts uh, on their social or, or th- through what I'm about, you know, what I say. So um, Tethered, obviously it's Wasp Week. I'm just going to say the discount code NFC20 is going to get you 20% off. Buy your broadheads now and uh, have them ready for next season. So wasparchery.com, Vortex Optics, man, they're going to be running sales on a lot of their apparel, their apparel line. Uh, They have a really awesome apparel line and uh, along with some of the best optics in the market. So uh, vortexoptics.com, Code Blue Sense, buy your Ropadope systems right now and have them ready for have them ready for the summer, this upcoming summer. Uh, Code Blue Scents, real and synthetic scents, uh, along with scent elimination products like laundry detergent, deodorants, um, uh, body soaps, all that stuff as well. Sprays, uh, codebluescents.com, discount code NFC20 for 20% off. Uh, Woodman's Pal, this this product I feel is, is perfect, not only for the run and gun type guy, but just to have one in your truck if you need to hack a branch or if you need to hack some bushes or clear uh, a shooting lane or clear uh, a place to hang a trail camera so the grass and the weeds aren't in the way. So uh, go check out woodmanspal.com. Read up on the, the company history. They're made in America. Uh, it's just a badass product. Very, uh, It's a tool that you can utilize for all things outdoors. So take a look at the Woodman's Pal. And last but not least, Huntworth. Uh, Go to huntworthgear.com. Check out all of their warm, their early season, their mid-season, their late-season clothing. Check out their heat boost technology that they have. Read up on that. And then my opinion is after wearing uh, a variety of different brands throughout the years, some of the elite camos, these guys are just as good as the elite brands. Obviously, their price point is lower, which is a benefit to you, but you're still getting a very high quality. But they also, from a layering system, they have everything you need. From a layering system uh, perspective, they definitely compete with the uh, other brands. So with that said, uh, go check out huntworthgear.com. They are also going to be running multiple uh, discount codes and sales between now and Christmas and even past Christmas, I think. So, And then last but not least, we just got uh, done with a huge Black Friday sale over at Full Sneak Gear. Uh, and go check out fullsneakgear.com. Uh, my goal is to have two more items up on the store within the next week. Um, or, you know, being able to ship out and things like that. And so these make great Christmas presents for a serious hunter, whether it's a dad, uh, a brother, a sister, uh, anybody who likes to hunt uh, and keep an eye out for the full sneak bow hunting crew neck sweatshirt that I will be launching later this week and will be available for pre-order. So keep an eye on uh, fullsneakgear.com. Huge shout out to all of you for continuing to support me Thank you very much. 
Uh, I really appreciate this, you know, this time of year where you're supposed to be thankful for everything. I'm definitely thankful for all of you guys. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for the ability to bow hunt and continue to do, like, doing my passion. And so I'm really looking forward to uh, uh, the rest of the season. I'm looking forward to future seasons to come. I'm looking forward to getting my shoulder fixed because right now it hurts so goddamn bad i can't i there's no way i could pull a bow back right now and so that's another reason why i'm gonna probably do some late season muzzleloader over bow um i gotta get that fixed before next season so i might have a tear i actually might have a tear in my uh rotator cup and cuff or whatever they call that and uh, it actually might be on both shoulders just from years and years of wear and tear and lifting and and, and uh, football and rugby and, and wrestling and uh, kickboxing and, and uh, uh, other martial arts that I've been a part of in the past just beat the shit out of my body basically and so I need to get that fixed I need to rehab it properly because I have one goal in life like I've realized that I want to continue to be a bow hunter as long as I possibly can and I that may mean I need to kind of fall back on other parts of my life. Like I really like to lift heavy weights. Like I really like to get to the gym, push some weights around. And maybe that's not what's best for me at this time. Like, and I, I like lifting uh, heavy and doing good workouts because I also like to eat. So what's happened, what's happened recently is I've had to quit working out as far as my upper body is concerned because my shoulder is so screwed up that I've like, so I've stopped working out heavy with heavy weights, but I've kept eating like I'm working out hard. (laughs) So the old belly, the last month has gotten a little bit bigger and and I got to check that uh, here, which is a horrible time of year to do that because it's the holiday season and I just eat like a little piggy. So, uh, there that's it that's what i've been doing that's what i'm uh uh looking forward to this upcoming uh this upcoming uh late season uh, i wish the best of luck to each and every one of you good vibes safety harness you know the deal let's get into today's episode the second episode here in wasp week enjoy three two one all right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. Today, I am joined by first-timer John Knowles. John, man, how are we doing? Good, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Um, when is Pennsylvania's opener? Uh, it opens this Saturday here on the East Coast. I'm actually in the Special Regs area. I'm kind of like near Philly, so it actually opens up, I think, two weeks before the regular season opens up. Okay. All right. Um, and okay. So you live in Pennsylvania. What part of Pennsylvania? Uh, I'm on the East coast. I'm probably like 20 minutes from Jersey. Okay. All right. I actually, uh, used to go out to King of Prussia, um, out there. The, the company that I worked for here in Iowa had a sister company in, uh, King of Prussia or Persia or whatever the, however they pronounce it. And, uh, and so, I liked coming out there because then we'd go into Philly and we would uh, go get, you know, we'd do the, the cheesesteak thing. And then we all, then we would go check out the Liberty bell and, and uh, all the history in Philly, man. That's a, it's a, it's a cool town, but 
rough at the same time. Oh, oh yeah, I've been there quite a few times. I earlier in life I ran equipment. We did some jobs in Philly, and it's tough running equipment when there's big bucks walking through neighborhoods and everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, wow, I have friends that hunt Philly every year, and I mean, do they kill some giants in like people's yard, like seek one type stuff? And yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I ended up driving through Valley Forge and uh, yep. up in that area, and that's protected, no one can hunt. And two things I noticed is there were so many deer there, and all of the vegetation except for the grass from about six foot and down was gone. Like the deer ate all of it, but we drove through there, man. And I saw multiple deer in the one sixties just hanging out. Yep. Yeah. You look in like Pennsylvania every year, do they kill like a one ninety every year? I know a guy, I think he's a little North of Valley Forge. Dude, he kills a slammer every year with the bow. And then yeah, we we're starting to get the caliber of deer, you know, throughout the state is, you know, some of the U S has, obviously we don't have the deer Iowa does, but yeah. we're starting to get to, yeah. Uh, what do you do for a living, John? Uh, I'm a plastic grinding manager. We grind up plastic bottles that have defects and stuff like that. And I work for my parents, so it's kind of nice when it's hunting season. I'm like, all right, I'll see you around. <laughs> it's hunting season. It's November. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've been working for my parents now probably uh, two years. Yeah. Okay. All right, uh, and so it's a family-run business. Yep. Okay. Yep, my mom, my dad, my wife there. Oh, nice. Okay. All right. Um, so it's Wasp Week here on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, and uh, I asked Fred, I go, hey, Fred, send me three people. I want to interview three people for Wasp Week, and you're one of them. And he tells me you're a, you're a pretty serious bow hunter. And so, um, when did you start, when, when would you say you became a bow hunter? How old were you? Uh, I think we can hunt 12 here. Actually, I wasn't even allowed to go hunting my first year because my dad told me I had to, I had to hit a pie plate at 20 yards with my bow with three broadheads before I could go hunting. And actually I didn't. I hit two out of three. He's like, well, I get to go on bow hunting next year. Oh, boy. Like, oh, okay. But, I mean, I really got serious probably, like, in my 20s. That's when I started really killing deer. Like, here, in, uh, we're in 5C, special eggs unit. I think I killed, like, 11 deer with a bow one year. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, Lots of deer? We have a lot of Yeah, I think they give out, like, 70... 70,000 doe tags, so it's no no problem get a doe tag. What's it like hunting in an area that close to a major city center? Like, you know, you're 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 20 minutes from New Jersey. So that, what what town is that? Camden? Uh no, I'm actually just outside of Allentown in Brininsville. Okay. Okay. So, but still, like uh, that's a heavy populated area, right? Oh yeah, like we have a couple warehouses in the Allentown area, and dude, there's deer that live right in industrial parks. Like you drive yeah. down through, and you see telephone full size rubs. And there's nothing I was ever used to. I mean, I grew up uh, southern PA near the Maryland line, hunting like big woods, and 
it took me a while to get used to hunting out here. I started hunting out here in 2015 and, you know, my trail camera showed deer everywhere. You know, I had all kinds of deer. I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. Well, it's not as easy as what you think. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking, I'm actually talking about people, right? You, you live in a heavy, like, I live in what is probably one of the heaviest populated human counties you know, like as far as people are concerned in, in Iowa. Okay. But that's nothing compared to, you know, the East coast. Right. So, um, how hard, like my, here's what I always want to find out about people who live in these heavy pressured States, like Pennsylvania, New York, Michigan, where there's a ton of deer hunters in a very, you know, just way more deer hunters, uh, per mile than any, you know, so, you know, some of the other Midwestern states. What's it like hunting in a state where you know that there's probably another hunter on the next ridge over? Uh, I mean, I've learned, you know, growing up, you got to outsmart the guy you're hunting against because, you know, you pull into a parking spot, you're the first one there. That doesn't mean you're going to be the first one there all day long. You know, how, you know how it is. You've yep. been hunting. People walk in. I mean, I actually killed a turkey a couple of years ago. I was walking out a ridge and uh, I heard a bird gobble. So I was like, ah, I'll, I'll walk out through a little further, see if he gobbles again. And sure enough, Joe Blow over here is hammering on his box call and the bird shut up. So I just sat down and the guy actually walked past me. I heard him walk by me. I just reached down and scratched the leaves and a bird gobbled. And the guy, of course, he's over there. He's hammering on <laughs> off bird would shut up well i'd scratch the leaves and he'd gobble and this guy he didn't know i was he knew i was in the area but he didn't know where i was and uh of course he gobbled he was over there calling and so i actually moved a little bit and scratched the leaves you know and the bird gobbled next thing you know i seen a red head coming through the green and i was like okay all right yeah. turn the safe up he come and uh i was on another podcast before i told a guy i was actually hunting 50 yards from the road and I had a guy come in like nine o'clock in the morning and he's like what are you doing I was like I'm deer hunting he's like you ain't gonna kill nothing by the road I was like oh okay and there's there's a major highway across his road and he walked off and uh it was like nine in the morning well you know sunset came and next thing you know I heard a car slow down I was like oh man I wonder if that's a deer coming and uh Next thing you know, I look over, I seen a buck come up the bank and he'd come walking up to me. I shot him and uh, I trailed him. He didn't go far. And I stood there and waited. Next thing you know, I see the headlight coming. So I flashed my headlight at him. Guy comes walking over. He's like, do you see any deer? I was like, yeah. I, was like I killed a pretty good buck right there. He's like, Jesus Christ, you're sitting right next to the road. Like, Ow. I'm like, you just got to be smarter. Right. And actually, I had a conversation a couple of years ago. Uh, these deer were coming out of these fields going in this big cut and I was sitting on just outside the cut and this guy, he was down below me and well, in the morning, the deer are going to the cut and at night they're leaving the cut to go down to the field. Well, he never came in until like two o'clock in the afternoon and uh, I seen him down there and I, mean, I was probably a hundred yards from him and I seen deer walk down the edge of the cut and stuff and it got dark and I got down and I started walking down through the woods and the guys stand there on the logging road waiting for me he's like you're cutting me off i was like what do you mean i'm cutting you off he's like well you're hunting above me i was like well if you would have been here this morning you would have known i was here all day 
He said, well, I think you're cutting me off. I said, no, I'm smarter than you. There's a difference. (laughs) (laughs) Around people. Oh, I bet you that guy just loved that comment. Oh, yeah. And after that, I'd never seen him there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're cutting me off. My stand's been here. Yeah. Yeah. You get those guys who are like, I've been here for 20 years. Okay, but now I'm here. Like, like I don't care. Like, what are you? What are you supposed to say to that comment? It's not going to change anything. I'm going to still go up here, and yes, I am actually going to cut you off. Yeah, yeah. I've had people walk right up to, to my tree and look up. They're like, "What are you doing?" I'm yeah. like, "Deer hunting." What are you doing? Yeah. It's like, like, I mean, I shouldn't say I've had a lot of bad experiences on public land, but I mean, I have. I bring in some people that. And they can be jerks. Yeah. You know, but I've got try to get away from the park lots and stuff like that. Edges yeah. of cuts because everybody on podcasts or on YouTube about the edges of cuts and transitions and stuff. And now I just try to get get back and get away from people. Yeah. And you go on some games around here. You get three miles from a parking lot where there ain't no roads around. You're not going to see anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how old were you when you started shooting a bow? Well, actually, you 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 mentioned that, and uh, actually, I want to I want to back up a second, and I want to say that kudos to your dad because I don't think a lot of people like put restrictions on their own kids before they send them out to go hunt because if you're not ready to kill a deer, well, then you're not ready to kill a deer. And if, if your dad goes, hey, you got to have three in a pie plate, and you didn't have three, I think I would have done the same thing, man, to my kids. Yeah, and I was trying to argue the point. I think I was shooting, like, XX75 aluminum arrows. I was like, I think that arrow is bent. He's like, no. Nah. I was like, ah. <laughs> So you had to wait until you were 13 for your first bow season? Yeah, yeah, and actually I missed one my first, first time out. I mean, she had me shook, and uh, – I think the, I didn't kill no deer that the following year I killed my first buck with a bow. That was when it really, you know, I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. Yeah. And so it, it started right away for you. Like you fell in love with bow hunting almost instantly. Yeah. And in Pennsylvania, we got to be 16 to hunt by ourselves. Once I really got, you know, I had a truck and I could go on my own. I had an old climber. Once, you know, I was able to hunt by myself. That's when all hell broke loose, I was killing everything. It didn't yeah. matter. My dad's like, don't shoot the first walks by. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, I got... you were the definition of if it's brown, it's down. Yeah. Cause we, we could shoot spikes back then. I don't, I think it was like when I turned 18 is when they put the antler restriction actually in effect here in Pennsylvania. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So, uh, how old are you now? I'll be 36 here in a few weeks. Okay. All right. Um, And so you kind of fell in love with bow hunting uh, at an early age. What was it about bow hunting that you liked so much? Uh, I liked him being close. You know, that first buck I shot, I think he was like at 15 yards. I mean, I've shot a few deer with a gun. I'm not saying it's easy, but you pretty much just put the crosshairs and squeeze and you can shoot them at 100, 200 yards. Cause we can use a center fire here. 
you know, bow hunting, you got you to gotta play the wind a little bit, and it's a little bit more challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you liked the chess match. Yeah, yeah. And as I've gotten older, like, the, you know, I've gotten into mobile hunting, and I really like that. Like, I have a, I have a good buck on my farm right now that I'll probably never kill. I should have killed him last year, but some people screwed that up. I was hunting a cut bean field, and uh, I seen him that morning. I went for a ride, and I seen him that morning. I was like, he's going to be out in them cut beans tonight. I was like, it's like 10 degrees. I was like, he'll be out there. He can't lay all day. I went in, hung my stand and everything, and 3.30 in the afternoon, he comes walking out with this other buck. And uh, he was like 60 yards, which, you know, that's about where I'm comfortable at with a bow. 60 yards. If they're inside 60, they're dead. And uh, he was at like 60, and I was just getting ready for him to come out past these limbs, and a car comes driving down the road. They're like, look, Billy, look at all the deer. And he wasn't having that. He just turned around and ran back in the woods. And last I ever saw him. That sucks. But. Yeah, I mean, that happens often in that stand at my farm. People drive by. Now it's sorghum or something this year. So I shouldn't have too much problem this year. Well, I'll tell you what. I think one of my favorite, uh, my favorite encounters I had was the landowner was renting out a house on their property to a guy who was like, dude, I'm telling you, he was like 90 years old. Like he shouldn't have been by himself on a four wheeler. I'll tell you that anyway. So he, he's on a four wheeler and I'm in a tree stand in this money spot. This whole two track is shredded. And I, I see this buck, a really big buck working a tree I'd say about 80, 90 yards, kind of in this clearing, uh, like right on the edge. And then the timber would kind of come out and then he would follow the terrain and be- kind of go back into the timber and he was coming right towards me. All of a sudden I start to hear, <laughs> 90 year old guy comes down the true track and he sees me and he looks up and he goes, Hey, did you see that big deer? I was like, yeah, he was coming right to me, buddy. <laughs> He's like, oh, that's okay. You'll get another crack at him. And uh, a situation like that was never saw him again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like here, uh, I got a spot. It's, uh, I think it's municipality land or stuff like that. Well, last year I go in with my lone wolf, my sticks. I climb up this tree. I was kind of looking on Spartan Forge, you know, where I was at and stuff and I should be far enough away from the houses, you know. So I get up like two six high. It's cracking daylight. Next thing you know, like I see my house light turn on. And I was like, yeah, I'm a little closer than what I thought. <laughs> and like, there's kids out of the yard playing and stuff like that. And here comes this doe. I'm like, man, should I shoot this thing? I was like, no, my luck. And I run up in that yard and die in front of them kids or something. And they'll be traumatized. <laughs> but I got a couple. I tell you what, you got to do it. Yeah, I got a stand. One of um, I don't hunt it as much anymore because the big deer seem to not be on that side of the farm anymore. Uh, they're they're deeper in. But for a while there, I was hunting this really good pinch point. It was real close to the house, and on the right wind in the morning from the tree stand, I could smell the coffee pot, like the coffee brewing in, in the house. And sometimes, depending on what she was cooking for breakfast, I could hear. I could smell bacon uh, frying in a pan and i was just like and so that tells you how close i was to that house 
Yeah. Like when I first got out here and started hunting this like kind of city hunting and stuff like that, I thought, well, the deer really like, who cares about scent? You know what I mean? I mean, I got to shower and wash my clothes and stuff. I've never worried about the wind. I tell you what, these deer out here bust you just as quick as a big woods buck will bust you. Yeah. Like these does out here and stuff, they come through. So they're, see, and this is, so these, these urban deer, right? Every, everybody says like they give, they give seek one, the guys from like seek one or anybody who hunts city deer a hard time because there's an assumption that these city deer are conditioned to, to be comfortable around people. But you're saying that that's not necessarily the case. No, I mean, there's some, like, around these industrial parks, like, them deer, I mean, I wouldn't say they're tame. Like, you stock your truck and take pictures, you know, but I'm sure when they're shed hunting, they'd be spreading like cockroaches. But that's just in my experience, you know, yeah. hunting around here. In the... Yeah. Okay. So, as you, as you were getting into bow hunting then, right, your early years, did you, did you pick... Cause I know some guys who I actually, I just had a podcast today where a guy was like, dude, I didn't play any sports in high school. All I wanted to do was hunt. Right. And then you got the other guys like me who I hunted for a little bit and then sports and the social life took over and I didn't hunt as much until I was out of college. What camp did you fall under? Uh, I mean, I, re- I played sports when I was younger, but once I could hunt, I mean, I still played baseball and stuff, but, uh, like once I really got into turkey hunting, like my junior year, that was when I was like, "Yeah, I'm not playing baseball or going to work anymore." I was like, "Turkey season serious. <laughs> or going to work." I loved it. Um, and so, was that the case from that that point on? Was it just, I mean, going straight into bow hunting mode for and like the rest of your life? Yeah, pretty much until last year, I actually settled down and got married. Okay. But All up right. until that point, it was, yeah, I mean, I worked in a, a steel mill for like 10 years, and I had, we worked two on, two off. So if you played it right, you could use two personal days and have a whole week off. So we schedule a week vacation on our short week and then use two personal days, and you'd have like half the month off. Yeah. And it was just, I was, yeah. there was something to be killed, I was trying yeah, that's just years ago. Yeah, and so now you're married and your life's ruined forever, right? Uh, no, she goes hunting. <laughs> uh, I got her across. She goes, but once it gets cold, she's like, "Nah, I don't, I, I don't want to go today." I'm like, "Okay." All right, no worries. I don't pressure her to go. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, let's talk about strategy for a little bit. Uh, it sounds to me like you've always hunted in an area where there was a lot of pressure from other people, right? We, we talked about that a little bit, but from, from a strategy standpoint, did you have any like big aha moments, you know, in your early, you know, your late teens, early twenties or any, any failure turn to success moments that you, that you had to go through, but at that back end, it made you a better bow hunter. Uh, like once I was old enough to hunt by myself, I started, uh, like really honing in on scrapes. 
Like I remember seeing them with my dad and stuff. And uh, I remember when they came out with trail cameras, probably I was, they were, they might've had them then, but yeah, I really started focusing on scrapes and I'd, I'd piss in the scrape, you know, actually one of the first hunts by myself, I uh, went up this Creek and I was following this, this deer run. And next thing I come to a pretty good opening and there was a scrape there. And I, I remember my dad tied string on the end of my stabilizer. So if you held your bow, it'd kind of tell you kind of which way the wind was blowing. I come up to this scrape and I was like, huh, I'm looking around. I got this big climber on my back. I was like, well, there was a blowdown. I was like, I could sit in there, you know, and watch this scrape, see if anything comes to it. And uh, actually a buck came to it that night and I killed him. That was, I thought that was pretty sweet. So I, I wouldn't say I really hope a whole lot yeah so that was was that like an aha moment from the standpoint of how like how dear you sign or more like the the wind direction and where you should set up based off the wind uh more of the wind direction yeah okay and and then that did that i mean did that have an impact on your strategy moving forward yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of watch the wind now, but I more or less hunt. Yeah, you know, I try to put myself in a position where I'm downwind. But if not, I mean, I've had bucks come right downwind and act like they never knew I was there. Walk right down the same trail, never caught my ground scent, nothing. Yeah, do you have a favorite? Uh, I guess first off, break down the terrain that you hunt are we talking like a, a timber ag mix are we talking big woods what's the what's the scenario that you're dealing with out there uh mostly it's mostly ag a lot of like my parents have 50 acres and i think 39 of its fields so kind of hard to hunt that morning but there is some mountains around here like 20 minutes yeah away yeah. north are you hunting majority public land then at that point and then sprinkle in that, that property? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still hunt. I mean, I have, I have a couple permission farms here, but I, I still hunt a lot of public. Yeah. I still enjoy it, you know? Yeah. And, and that is a, that's more or less like the, the timber egg mix. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a, a favorite location or like, a bedding area, like downwind of bedding or uh, in a pinch point or a uh, staging area or something like that. Do you have a, uh, a go-to or a favorite type of feature that you prefer to hunt? Uh, yeah. I like to hunt like a pinch or like a transition from uh, bedding to food or there's like a fence gap there at my parents between the two fields. Yeah. There's like a little enough for a combine or something to get through there. I, I hunt there a lot and I've had a lot, I've killed a lot of buck right there just in a little fence gap. Yeah. 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 It's like out here, like we don't have a lot of trees. We have like a lot of brush and they have like these real long thorns on them. Oh and yeah. I don't know what I've had them stuck in me a couple times. And... Yeah. Okay. Um, and then like, so Outside of that, you just, I mean, are, are the properties that you're hunting fairly small, like this 50 acre piece or are any of them big? Uh, no, that's my biggest one. I have like a 10 acre permission piece. I can hunt, it's all fields, but I can hunt the farmer's land that, you know, butts up against it. Yep. But 
Closed by public here, I think, I think it's 16,000 acres right here. Okay. And so that's a big, that's a big piece of, uh, of timber. How do you, how do you go about breaking down where you're going to hunt on that big chunk of public? Uh, I, I go on my, you know, Spartan or Onyx or whatever you have. I'll look, you know, see where the cut are, see if there's any draws that lead down to it. When it was cut, you know, you get one that's cut in like the early thousand. You're not walking through their shed hunting. Mm-hmm. I hate to be the one to tell thick. Yeah. And like now they big thing where they go in and burn everything. So, I mean, I look for draws. I look for flaps. Uh, if there's any oaks, you know, or chestnuts or anything like that. If there's any water around, that's a problem with my farm right now. I have 50 acres and there's zero water within probably a mile radius of my farm. So I actually put in a 110 gallon water tub from tractor supply that fill up weekly. And is that performing for you? I mean, it, I take it you have a trail camera over top of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's where I, I get a lot of pictures. I mean, I had a cell cam there. I mean, I probably got like 10 pictures a day. But here last week, it was like in the 80s and 90s. And it really, I think I filled it twice last week. Yeah. And uh, uh, is that is that feature something that you are going to plan on hunting in the upcoming weeks with it like being early season and, and having a lack of water? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Saturday it's supposed to be a high of 80. So, I mean, I have a, I think it's like an acre chicory and clover plot right there, plus that water tub. I'll probably fill that up tomorrow after work. Yeah. But I'll probably, or, you know, one evening, you know, go and hang and hunt. Yeah. Do what I see. What is your goal every season? Uh, I like to kill a big buck. I mean, I think that's everybody's goal. Yeah. But as I've gotten older, I enjoy being out with my friends, you know, Brad from Wasp, and uh, he comes out every year and try to get Fred to come out, but he don't come out. But I just enjoy being out there with family and friends and enjoy the great outdoors, I guess. Yeah. How many deer How many deer would you say that you kill in a year? Uh, Probably five. Five? I mean, some years are better. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that is just any deer or are you looking to shoot one, one big buck and then fill the freezer with the rest? Yeah. I mean, I try to shoot a nice buck in Pennsylvania, a three and a half year old. If he walks by me, he's, he's in trouble. I won't, you know, yeah. I don't try to shoot just a buck, Yeah, but you know, they get three and a half in Pennsylvania, especially on public land. He's in trouble. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, and then as far as let's see regulations you you mentioned like uh, a, the uh, you you live and hunt in a special regulation unit what's what are what's special about this unit uh it actually has a lot of deer we're one of us in uh i think it's philadelphia or bucks county have the most deer in the whole state other other than probably i think that's part of the special regs area i mean it's just overrun with deer Unlimited tags, then? Uh, no, I, I think you can buy one. I wouldn't say it's unlimited. You have to actually buy each individual, though. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so, uh, in the in the part of the state that you hunt, 
has have they made it or have they made it legal Sunday hunting yet in in uh, Pennsylvania? Uh, we get three Sundays a year we can hunt. They're so gracious. Uh, like one in there and one in season. And so you 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 get a hunt, but it's only three. Yeah, yeah. I think they're they're trying to. I think we're one of the last states. Where Sundays, us, Maine, maybe New York. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so do you do you ever travel outside of Pennsylvania and uh, go to any other states to hunt? Yeah, I've been to Maine a few times. Uh, bear hunting. Yeah, I actually went deer hunting one. That, that was not fun. Uh, I've been to Montana antelope hunting. The uh, Carolinas I went down there deer hunting a couple times. Like Ohio and stuff like that. Just the surrounding states. Yeah, uh, is that something you do on a on a yearly basis? Uh, no, not every year. I try to, but like we had a. I met some guys through some friends that were up in Maine, and they're like, hey, we'll trade you a bear hunt for a deer hunt. And I was like, all right. Well, then I went up there and I shot a bear. Then they came down here. Then I had to play a guide. And that was cool running around with them guys, you know, because they don't have the deer we do. They, yeah. I think they said they have one deer per square mile. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I interviewed a guy from Maine and I also interviewed a guy from Vermont. And there, uh, there are certain parts of the state that are better than others, but there, there was a guy, uh, there was a guy who was like, if I see four deer a year, that's a really good year. See, just not not kill, but see four deer a year. That's a really good year. I'm just like, uh, if I go on one sit and I don't see four deer, I th- I think all deer are dead. Something something's got to be wrong here in Iowa. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know this this is a a wasp a wasp themed. Uh, a wasp themed uh, podcast. So I, I do have to ask you, what is, what's your favorite setup? Like as what's your arrow setup and what head are you using on, uh, on your arrow? Uh, if I'm turkey hunting, I'm definitely shooting a jackknife, something big yeah. or a jackhammer. Shoot a victory. I don't know what arrow I shoot. Uh, BAP TKO. Like okay. Five arrow. But I mean, I shoot a 32 inch draw. Gotcha. Okay. So you got a long, you got a long draw and you said it was a, oh, it's over 500 grains. Yeah. For turkey. So turkey, do you like a big expandable? Yep. If I'm deer hunting, I'll throw like a jackhammer, a drone, a dart, you know, whatever I grab, I'm, that's what I'm using. Yeah. For deer. So you, you don't have a preference? Uh, yeah, I like the jackhammer. That puts a big pull. I, mean, oh, I yeah. killed, like, I think I killed like five deer a turkey and a bobcat all with the same jackhammer before I broke a blade. I mean, I was like, okay, I'll just get a new one. You know, I put them on my wall or something like that, you know, save them. I mean, they're, they're just a tough head. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I like them. I like those heads Uh, and it's, it's why I continue to go back to and use those heads is because Man, every time, even like, here's the, here's what I'll say is you put a broadhead of any maker model through the heart or lungs 
of a whitetail, it's going to die, right? But you can't necessarily say that uh, on marginal shots, like bad shots behind the liver, right? Things like that. And so I will say, and this has this has no mark, you know, merit towards the broadhead. But if I put a bad shot on a whitetail, I know that my broadhead is going to do a shit ton of damage. And that's why I use jack the three-blade jackhammer. I know it's going to put a big hole in there. I know it's going to be, uh, you know, and if they're not going to die quickly, I know that they're not going to move around. They're going to go somewhere and lay down, and then I'll have an opportunity to find them at a later date or a later time, just like what I did this past year. Yep, yep. And I know, like, a lot of uh, – another. I was talking to another guy one time, and he's like – you know, I, I shot this buck. I hit him like in the last rib. And I I never found him. He's like, that, that man, I don't even know what kind of broadhead he was shooting. He's like, but they're junk. I was like, you ever think, you know, maybe it's uh, Indian or you know, it's not the bow. Indian, it, yeah. Uh, people, <laughs> oh, they're junk. You know, they they don't work. I'm telling you, I shot a buck one time through the back legs, accidental, at full draw, started to touch off, and he jumps over this log just as I the bow broke loose. I seen it shot him right through the back legs. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. And buck went 30 yards and laid down. And I'm like, looking at him through my binoculars, I was like, this buck's going to nod out right here. I was yeah. like, how is that even possible? Well, they I cut that femoral artery. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've never killed. And I mean, I've put. I've never killed a deer with a shooting, you know, shooting them with, uh, through the femoral artery out in the back. However, um, I was using a boss four blade in 2018 and i hit it was just a a horrible shot horrible situation i hit him through the back ham but because that there was no energy loss with the uh, deployment of the broadhead my fixed blade went all the way through the body and it came out his front armpit and there was a you know there's a long story after that but the penetration that I got with a you know a well-tuned arrow and a very sharp and durable broadhead on on front, uh, man, they do some major damage. Oh yeah, this this buck I shot right here, I shot him seven yards and I shot him right here, and I went back and it stuck in his back leg and it actually broke. It didn't break the bone, but it penetrated that trail car tip. Actually went into the bone. Was that a was that a fixed blade head? Jack knife. That was a jack knife. Holy cow, man! That's a yeah. yeah. And I tell you what, guys with twenty-four inch and twenty-five inch draws right now are just being like, "I hate you, I hate you." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's the only good thing about having a, all the speed out of a bow. I mean, I killed my antelope the same exact way. I shot him right here, quartering to me at five yards with a dart, and I passed through him. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you what do you got planned for the rest of this year? Uh, I don't know. I don't think the wife's gonna hunt. So works a little slow. I mean, I like to kill that six and a half year old buck, but if a good three year old walks by me, I'm killing him. How many buck uh, tags do you get? I got a lot. Of stuff. Just one. Okay. Okay. And are you in an APR Jersey. unit? What's that? Are you in an antler uh, restricted unit? Antler point restriction? Yeah. Yeah. Three on one side. I think there's 
two counties out around Pittsburgh. They have four on one side, not including the Browtine. Okay. All right. So you're in an area where – have you seen – let me ask you this. Have you seen antler point restrictions benefit the deer herd? Yeah. I mean, I think I think it was 2000 – might have been my senior year. They changed it, 2006 or 2004. I mean, you see guys, you know, if they killed a 120 back – they were doing pretty good, but now you, maybe you see it a lot. And yeah. like better quality, you know, because what happens in a mountain, you see a buck coming and you're looking and you're like, oh, I don't know if he has enough points. I don't want to shoot him and have to pay a fine or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. I think it helped us a lot. Yeah. Well, that's good, man. I've heard things about that in Michigan, too, where those antler point restric- restrictions are really, like, they benefit they're straight up seeing bigger bucks so you know you got to pass on i think it has to have four points some, some of them have to have four points on one side and uh so the days for certain guys smoking a spike you know every single year and now they're starting to see a direct result in that where hey man i'm shooting 120 inch deer every year and i'm a i'm a huge advocate for things like that yeah yeah i mean i wish i wish they'd go four points for a whole state and get rid of rifles like you let them use a shotgun or something like that yeah yeah but you start talking about taking stuff away from people then you know what happens they everybody starts to bitch yeah 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 well cool man well hey i tell you what i really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and bs with me for a little bit um good luck this upcoming season and uh keep me posted man all right buddy hey man take care thanks And that brings episode number two of Wasp Week to an end. Huge shout out to John. Huge shout out to all of you. Huge shout out to Wasp and all of the other brands like Tethered, Vortex, Code Blue, Woodman's Pal, Huntworth, and of course, Full Sneak Gear. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. And last but definitely not least, uh, wear your damn safety harness. Send good vibes out into the universe. Be a kind person, even when it's gonna at it, when, even when it's hardest. Be a kind person, right? Fake it till you make it, they say. And sometimes you gotta fake fake happiness. You don't want to fake happiness too long. You need to talk to someone about it if you're struggling. But even, there's days where I don't want to. I want to be a grump. But that me being in a grump then turns my family into grumps, and they see me grumpy and I don't want to be grumpy in front of them I want to be happy dad I want to be good dad and uh and when I'm happy dad and good dad even if I'm faking it that means the rest of my family is happy and that's really all that I care about so uh good vibes in good vibes out and we will talk to you next time